we're tricked and sort of programmed into thinking that we have to be doing all of these things all the time. I think I've been quite a busy fool for, for quite a few years. I've just thought that that's what I had to do. I had to constantly be doing stuff, which uh, I've learned isn't true. Got, we've both got caps on, I love it. How's lockdown treating you? How have you been doing? I mean, it sounds so ridiculous. And when people ask me, I, just, I feel like a bit, <laughs> I feel a bit silly for saying like, oh, it's been so up and down, it's been so tough. You know, essentially, it's a pretty sweet thing compared to a lot of things in life. We're being forced to stay indoors and, uh, and not go out. Like it's kind of quite, quite easy. We've been forced to sit on the sofa. Whereas in previous crises or crises, people were, were, you know, being forced to go to war. So on that level, it's pretty sweet. But that said, I think being confined uh, can start to play I think, tricks on the mind. Um, and I mean, I've been, I've been so busy with work that I think initially that wasn't really a thing. And I was just focus, 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 focus. Then I think after a while things start to settle in and, and yeah, I was having, I think the problem is, is when you when you're working at home and you're living at home and you're sleeping at home, because everything is in the house, it just it, it boils over. And I found it very difficult to to cut off. Like I was waking up at four thirty doing work, and it was just like I was getting too. I mean, I'm still kind of doing that, but just every you know too much. And you, you need to be able to partition off work and play and food and. But I mean, I've been I've been eating so much just because it's a way of like. Filling time. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a break away from, from, from doing work. You've been suffering with insomnia quite a bit, haven't you? And that's, that's a lot of people are having that problem. I thankfully haven't, haven't, but you can see why it's happening. How have you dealt with that? I've got, I've got quite an overly active mind, um, and that often can, can become an issue at night because, you know, you get into bed and you get into bed at a reasonable, reasonable time, but your brain decides that at 10.59 p.m. it's going to bring up all of your life worries and just deliver them on a platter and and, and say that you've got to solve all of your issues tonight <laughs> otherwise otherwise the world's going to end um and yeah i mean I've, I've i've actually started meditating oh yeah did you ever do that before no 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 it's new see meditating for me that's one that i know i've done it before and i know it's worked it's one of those things where I just, I know I should be doing it now, but I'm not. How did you get into it? I, I feel like I've become the sort of the cliched lockdown, like man, who's like, you know, who's found introspection and reflection and has started meditating. That's not a bad thing. Everyone's coping in different ways. And to be honest, if the way of coping is meditating, that's a lot better than uh, some other people. <laughs> a lot better than committing uh, heinous crimes that's for sure so, it sounds so against cliched like I don't know how I didn't discover it before like it's really really quite useful so what is the routine I, I mean I'm pretty crap at it to be honest because my 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 concentration levels are poor so I'll, I'll get 10 minutes in and I start to wonder and I'm like okay fuck I need to crack on with some stuff now but 10 minutes is fine even in that 10 minutes it just allows you a bit of time to like cut out some of the noise a little bit and and focus yourself and just I think it's also it's a it's a way of thinking and and learning not to uh, allow yourself to over to be overburdened and and think that the world's going to end if you don't do everything in a day or you don't achieve everything that you know 
you're, you're sort of put out to. I think you, you just sort of accept that you'll do what you'll do. And you have to be honest with yourself and go, you know, sometimes I work really hard. Other days I'm a bit shit. It's the idea of just not, not being too harsh on yourself as well. And thinking about hearing you say that, thinking about what I did take from when I used to meditate quite regularly. Now, when I feel more overwhelmed, I can actually look at it at face value, be a little bit self-aware about it and say, I'm a bit stressed because of X, Y, Z. And then I just write things down and I prioritize and I've just got a bit of a, bit of a better process of managing it now. That's, that's very reasoned of you. And I, I, I think that comes from the fact that you're living on your own. Yeah. I'm living not on my own. And there's been arguments about uh, what goes in the fridge. Um, namely, namely the big, the big debate that, uh, that shook the house was um, where the bread should be refrigerated. What? What side were you on? As a reasoned man of logic, um, I, I followed what I thought was the way forward, but apparently, like, I now learned that there's, there's two sides to this argument. So, I mean, what, what would you do if, if you thought the bread was... Bread doesn't go in the fridge. Yeah, see, so you went, yeah, you go against... Um, I go against you. If, if you're worried about it going mouldy, put it in the fridge because it'll slow down the molding process because mold can't grow in colder, um, yeah, colder temperatures. But the only issue there is because of that coldness, it can go, it goes stale quicker. And you also have cold sandwiches. You can't really win. Either you leave it out and it gets moldy or you put it in and it gets stale. I prefer, I would probably have staleness over moldiness, but hey, that's just me. It's one of those tough questions of life, isn't it? I love that that's the that's been the sort of the focal point of uh it's been my only realization is that uh no one can agree on where bread exists I think the majority of the world can agree so have you put that out have you spoken to people about it is there is there a 50 50 split um I haven't is it like the blue and black dress yeah I haven't because I don't want to burden the world um I think there's enough worry at the minute and and to to add to add bread bread stress that would be tipping point that would be everything over yeah we initially connected over the documentary that you're looking to make tell me more about that and where you're at with it now so i mean i'll retell it even though you've already heard it i could hear the story a million times over serenade me i woke up when was it last last november uh, in bed sweaty as hell at about 4 30 a.m and my brain was overactive and i i don't know what brought it on it might have been a conversation i'd had previously that day but I just woke up with this idea that I wanted to try, if possible, to build a um, to build a boat out of recycled or upcycled uh, ocean plastic. And if once I've built that, I could sail it or move it. However, I don't know what form of propulsion I would use. Maybe I could fart my way there. I don't know. Thunder pants. Did you have you ever seen thunder pants? Oh yeah, I remember this from ages ago when I was a kid. Why is this ringing bells? Uh, it was Ron Wee, it was Rupert Grint. Uh, no, it was Rupert Grint's mate who was fat and had a farting problem. Um, sorry to deviate away from your really compelling story, by the way. No, no. And he was, recru- <laughs> he was recruited by NASA to sit on the top of a, of a rocket ship and just fart. And then they got into space. Well, well, mate, if they can get to space, I'm pretty sure I'll be able to get to where I want to go. Uh, the concept was to try and build this boat and then see if I can sail it to Ibiza. Since then... So that was in November. Um, I sort of, I was, I didn't, I didn't talk to anyone about it for a bit because I just thought people would think that it's a really stupid idea. It is a ridiculous idea, but all the best ideas are. I, ju- I just really, really want to do it. 
I just I don't know why I just I feel like I won't I won't be happy unless I at least try even if even if I get like 50 meters out of the like out of Dover and I just submerged we were we were actually in the London Aquarium because Greenpeace were doing a talk they have an initiative called 30 by 30 which uh, basically is is saying that by th- uh, by 2030 we need to have protected 30% of the world's ocean. Otherwise, the whole ecosystem is going to collapse and we're going to end up in a pretty terrible situation. So we were there watching that and I think I mentioned it to to um, the guys at Orcasound and they were like, oh my God, that's actually a really good idea. Obviously, use our technology because they've got this tech that um, can upcycle and create building material out of ocean plastic. And I was like, oh my, I was like, oh my God, this is actually coming together. And then I was like, I was envisioning like this huge super yacht and me just <laughs> like, like Leonardo DiCaprio sort of lobbing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, things were, things were moving. I wanted to, to try and find an outlet to try and amplify the documentary, someone that will help me make it because I don't have a, I don't have a clue how to make a documentary, to be honest with you. Um, help me make it and then help me get it out to people because um one of one of the i think one of the main driving factors for me is i want to be able to along this journey show all of the little ways that you can change in your life to to help have an impact on on the plastic problem that that we've created um and whether that's like you know changing your toothbrush for example i've been doing some some stuff with with bamboo brush uh my friend tommy there shout out tommy He's a legend. He is. He is. Yeah. So I, I kind of wanted to find as many like little, small, incremental ways along, uh, incremental things along the way that can that can help, just just direct people in in little ways they can change. Because I think, I think the thing is, and I found this certainly is like when you look at the the problem as a whole, and we're presented to this, you know, presented with this huge issue, um, you know, like the basically it's so doom and gloom. The planet's gonna gonna end. We're all gonna suffocate with plastic bags around our head, and like. It's, it's just like, and I look at the problem and I'm like, I don't even know how I would begin to help towards that. I, it just seems so vast and so out of my control that I, I don't even know what to do. Whereas I wanted to try and step back from that and look at it on a more local scale and look at how you can do things locally and, and how you can do things on a, on a more micro basis, like, you know, changing your toothbrush. Um, there's some stats, I think, that Tommy came, uh, he, he put up the other day saying that they will have stopped um, to date, since they launched something like thirty thousand uh, tons or kilograms, I can't remember. I have, I have to check. But basically, they've stopped a hell of a lot of plastic from going into the ocean. Um, so yeah, that that was kind of one of the main driving forces. Um, and then obviously, COVID nineteen got its grips on everything, and 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 so everything sort of slowed down really, and it didn't look like I could leave my house, let alone try and. Sail to Ibiza. <laughs> yes, yeah, even though in my head I was like, I wonder if I can make it really quickly and get over to Ibiza before lockdown <laughs> happens. And then I've got, they, they can't deport me, like, you know. But yeah, uh, at the minute, things are still moving. Um, we've got some guys that are hopefully going to help design and make the boat, uh, which is really exciting. Um, so it's taking shape. It's just, uh, I'm now kind of re-enlivening the project and, and getting things moving again and trying to find a production company and uh, just making it happen, really. Um, I wanted, yeah, because I kind of, I do want to scale it so that it's not just me in a 
like in an in an Evian bottle <laughs> with a little paddle <laughs> and a couple of milk cartons to keep me afloat. Now that's a picture. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I realistically, it, at the state of of the planet at the minute, it doesn't look like any any travel is going to be happening for a while, or, or at least any sort of responsible travel. Um, so it's happening. It's just going to take time, I think. But we needed time anyway. So this means the boat's going to be bigger and better. Super yacht. Yes, I'll be able to take all of the animals two by two. <laughs> <laughs> just these, you carry on growing your hair, and then you'll get there. Piston Jim, you've been a busy boy pivoting, pivoting piston. Tell me about tell me about how that started. Yeah, so I've been involved with the gin now for a year and a half, I think, maybe. Yeah, quite quite a while. We obviously weren't predicting a, a pandemic to come along. Um, because of the pandemic, uh, obviously all, all of our on trade, which is our bars our clubs and restaurants and, and all of our partners like of that nature have all stopped so we've we kind of lost like 70 80 percent of of our our sales um which you know it was a pretty sort of scary prospect um because it was there was still a lot of uncertainty as to what the relief was going to be whether there was going to be like you know no one knew what was what was going to happen so in that in that brief moment it sort of just looked like the brand might might die because we, we can't unless we go into some sort of hibernation mode and just wait uh wait for for things to turn around um what we what we did do and what what has been keeping us really busy is uh a hand sanitizer um and because we we realized that uh, there was such such a demand for it and and um we thought that we you know we could we could give it a go see if we could make it um because we have the the licensing to to hold alcohol which is the the main um active ingredient in in sanitizer and is is what kills the bacteria um and viruses um so we kind of we just we started out and just thought right let's see what we can do see if we can help out a few small businesses locally and and donate some and we i think we first started talking about it and putting things into action i can't it's mad to think this what are we now we're in may may mid may time is weird at the moment it's fast and long at the same time the last time i checked and i knew it was like february the 11th at 12 30 a.m <laughs> i have no idea of what's what's been going on it's so weird so yeah i mean we we kind of just threw threw ourselves in head first and we had to we had to learn pretty quickly how to firstly how to make it how, uh, what the chemistry is behind it um we we kind of we didn't really know what we were what we were getting into like it was we kind of realized quite quickly that we we're actually trying to set up and launch a new business in the territory that we don't really know anything about um we were kind of driven by the aim to to, to help people out so it kept, kept us going um and it's, it's been a it's been a, a pretty stressful process because there's just been so many pitfalls along the way. There's the chemicals and, and, and everything that is needed uh, are in really short supply because the, the global demand has been so high and, and there's been such a need for hand sanitizer. Um, so there's been constant battles trying to make sure we can, we can secure everything. Um, there's been constant battles with formulas, making sure we get everything right. So it's kind of, it's kind of been a 24 seven, um job no wonder you're not sleeping at least your hands are clean 
my hands are so clean honestly <laughs> it's so strange like if you had said to me three three four months ago in in two months you'll you'll be involved in the manufacturing and selling of hand sanitizer i would have been like what are you on about i now go to sleep and i dream about different hand sanitizers i go when i'm in the, when i'm in when i'm in shops i look on the back of like different soaps and different hand sanitizer things and just try and like, i'm like oh what are they using like, <laughs> oh hello yeah mate it's it's become it's quite sad in a way but what lessons will you take personally from lockdown that you'll actually look to carry on and implement yeah no it's, it's a really good question I, I actually have this strange fear of returning to normal now because i've identified a lot of like really positive things from this um and especially as a community uh i i, I worry that we're gonna rush back to to how to how we had things um i think there's been a lot to a lot to learn in this period like i i, I personally i think i've been quite a busy fool for for quite a few years and I, I we're, we're tricked and sort of programmed into thinking that we have to be doing all of these things all the time and um, whether that's commercially driven because of you know capitalist exploits and they want to try and get us wherever they can and every price put like you know um, I, I, don't, I don't know but I, I've, I've just thought that that's what I had to do I had to constantly be doing stuff um, which which uh, I've learned isn't true I mean it sounds so like you know straightforward but if you just take a bit of time with things and don't try and rush everything it's it helps the the quality of what you do improves massively